Hey guys, welcome back to Reread the News so you don't have to. This is a news recap podcast from Zodapop by Zerat Media. And every episode, we come on and share different stories that are relevant to young adults in Singapore, whether it's some serious news or some light-hearted ones as well. I'm Fernanda, and I'll be your host for today. Without further ado, let's just dive straight into our first headline. Man arrested after allegedly swinging chopper in fight in Bendemia Road. So according to Straits Times, a 77-year-old man was arrested for criminal intimidation and possession of an offensive weapon two days ago on Wednesday, March 16. The police said in a statement on yesterday that they had received multiple calls about a fight between two men in 29 Bendemia Road on Wednesday at around 6.55pm. One of the men allegedly wielded a chopper and both left the scene before the police arrived. But, with the help of police cameras, the man who wielded the chopper was arrested within two hours of the incident. Preliminary investigations revealed that the 77-year-old man had allegedly swung the chopper at the other man during the fight, but did not hit him or anyone else. He will be charged on court in Friday. The offence of criminal intimidation carries a jail term of up to two years, a fine, or both, while that of possessing an offensive weapon in a public place carries a jail term of up to three years and at least six strokes of the cane. This incident actually comes after three separate incidents involving blades, which were reported just a few days ago on Monday. Three men have been charged in relation to these incidents. So if you guys aren't aware or aren't too sure about the details of those incidents, here's a quick rundown. The first case involved a man who was caught on video swinging a sword at pedestrians and several cars near Bangkok Square Mall at about 1.55pm on Monday. This video actually went viral, so I'm sure most of you would have seen this before. He was charged on Wednesday with one count of voluntarily causing hurt with a samurai sword. In the second incident, at about 6.20 on Monday, a 33-year-old man allegedly slashed two people with a razor blade in Strathmore Avenue. He was handed two counts of voluntarily causing hurt by dangerous weapons or means. In the third incident, which happened after 9pm on Monday as well, a man allegedly threw a knife at a police officer after he was confronted following a call for assistance in Bukit Batok. The knife hit the other officer's right cheek. He was charged on Wednesday for voluntarily causing hurt to deter a public servant from his duty, carrying an offensive weapon in a public place, and abetting the offence of possessing offensive weapons. So, four blade-related incidents in a span of one week. That's like kind of scary, but I think most of us take safety in Singapore for granted. And we definitely are a relatively safe country, but we can never be too careful. And especially, I think nowadays with COVID or inflation and war and everything, life can be really stressful and we never know when something might just trigger someone around us. So let's just all be nicer to each other because life is hard. And if you see someone holding a blade, please run away, yeah? Next, moving on to a more light-hearted news in Singapore as well, a new Sentosa Heritage Trail is launched which features three thematic routes. From the iconic former Sentosa monorail to the largely unknown Siloso Pier, Singapore's new Heritage Trail traces the transformation of the island from military complex to leisure destination. According to this article from CNA, the first of Singapore's 22 heritage trails to be located off the mainland, the Sentosa Heritage Trail, was launched by the National Heritage Board, or NHB, yesterday on March 17. Developed by NHB in partnership with the Sentosa Development Corporation, SDC, the Sentosa Heritage Trail has 30 heritage sites, including recent gazetted National Monument Fort Siloso. Apart from charting the island's transformation, the trail aims to uncover stories of the communities who once lived there and highlights the story of modern Sentosa's reinvention. The first of the heritage trail's routes is called Kampongs and Barracks, 
a 3km route which lets the public explore the lives and livelihoods of the people of Pulau Blakang Mati as well as their living spaces. A longer route is the 4km forts which explores the extensive fortifications on Sentosa, which was militarized in the late 1800s. The trail highlights include Fort Siloso and Fort Serapong. The last route, Memories of Sentosa, measures 2.5km long. It features a number of former attractions on the island, revisits these locations and memories associated with them. And I think this is exciting news. I think in general, when we think about Sentosa, we'll think of like Universal Studios or Sea Aquarium and whatnot, but we never really think about like the heritage of the place. And for me, before reading this article, I actually didn't even know that Sentosa had a history like that. And I always thought it was just a place for entertainment. Maybe I'm just uncultured, but I'm really looking forward to visiting this trail and learning more. And lastly, moving to international news, Taliban to open high schools for girls next week, official says. The Taliban will allow girls around Afghanistan to return to class when high schools open next week, an education officer said on Thursday, after months of uncertainty over whether the group will allow full access to education for girls and women. All schools are going to open to all boys and girls, said Aziz Ahmad Ryan, a spokesperson for the Ministry of Education. But... There are some conditions for girls, he said, adding that female students would be taught separately from males and only by female teachers. In some rural areas where there was a shortage of female teachers, he said that older male teachers would be allowed to teach girls. There is no school that will close for this year. If there is any school that closes, it is the responsibility of the education ministry to open it, Ryan added. So allowing girls and women into schools and colleges has been one of the key demands the international community has made of the hardline Islamist movement since it toppled the Western-backed government last August. Most countries have so far refused to formally recognize the Taliban and concerns over their treatment of girls and women and allegations of human rights abuses against former soldiers and officers from the ousted administration. The last time the group ruled Afghanistan, from 1996 to 2001, they banned female education and most employment. And since regaining power, boys and men have returned to education in far greater numbers than girls and women. The Taliban is seeking to run the country according to its interpretation of Islamic law, while at the same time accessing billions of dollars in development aid that it desperately needs to stave off widespread poverty and hunger. The Taliban say they respect women's rights in accordance with Islamic law and local custom. But many women have reported restrictions on access to public life, including jobs, some forcing to drop out of the workforce, which is actually extremely concerning and definitely like a violation of human rights and freedom, if you ask me. It basically like eradicates independence for women by cutting off their financial means. Okay, but I think although education is not the only aspect of women's rights, but in comparing past and present when they didn't even allow women to go to school, I think there is definitely some progress made. So I guess only time will tell and we'll have to wait to see where the Taliban's claims of respecting women's rights really come true. And so with that, those were the three headlines of the day and we have come to the end of this episode. I hope to see you in another episode of We Read the News So You Don't Have To. Bye!